0: Welcome to another episode of the Bench Time Podcast, presented by H.O. Scale Customs. Now buckle up, you fine scale freaks. Welcome to episode 10 of the Bench Time Podcast with Brett and Todd Wiley from H.O. Scale Customs. We got a lot going on this week, guys, so we're going to jump right into it. Say hi, Todd. Hi. Hi, Dad. All right. Hi. So... <laughs> so we got we got a lot of cool stuff going on this week um steven's going to be calling in for our 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 pot our first podcast interview our first guest appearance on the podcast it's Stephen hayworth and he has uh just an extensive extensive amount of knowledge and history and a big layout on the about the rio grande southern and we'll talk with him in a couple minutes he's gonna be calling in but uh we want to jump into it really fast And just give a shout-out to Casey's Workshop, who is – we're still working on his kit to share with you guys. We have a couple things to wrap up. I was putting some real glass. I don't know if you saw on our blog and our Facebook page. I was putting in real glass slides, uh, cut glass into the windows instead of uh, acetate. So that's going to add a pretty cool touch to it. Um, But anyways, the Blue Slipper Tavern from kcworkshop.com. You guys can head on over there. If you want to pick it up as we're working on it, you can work on it with us or just shelf it and work on it, you know, save it for a rainy day, whatever you do, head on over there. If you pick it up, it's normally $79.95. And with the, with the promo code H-O-Scale Customs, you can pick it up for sixty nine ninety five and get $10 off. Again, that's H-O-Scale Customs at KCWorkshop.com for the Blue Slipper Tavern. It's an awesome kit. Pick it up, work on it with us. Uh it's it's awesome. It's laser cut brick and you'll love it. And don't, know we don't were getting a bunch shelf of, it. We were get what's that?
1: Don't shelf it, man. Start building uh, it. People hoarding these models on their, I see these pictures and people hoarding their models <laughs> on their shelf and they got like fifty models up there. Uh, build well then, a, fine, don't build do the it. damn things. Go ahead. Get it and rip it open the day you buy yeah, it and put Build it together it. the day you what, buy it. Yeah, what are you <laughs> in this hobby for, man? Just get to
0: get work <laughs> on them. Uh, never mind that I said that. Just get on over there. Enter HA <laughs> Scale Customs as a promo code, kcworkshop.com. It's a cool kit. And I know it's been getting a lot of attention, a lot of comments as I post little previews of it on our Instagram and Facebook page. So um, stay tuned. We'll In a, f- a day or two here, we'll be posting the final pictures of it. We're going to wrap it up. Pretty quickly. Um, but with that, we are going to jump into our phone call here. We have a phone call coming in with Stephen Hayworth. He has the uh, – he like we said earlier, he is modeling the Rio Grande Southern Railroad. He, he has a website. It is rgsrr.com. He's got a Facebook page. He's got uh, another blog we'll talk about with him a little bit later about his the history of his layout in general and at this point, we're going to switch it over to the phone call with Steven. So our first we'll, guest, uh, catch our first guest. Yes. Okay, hey everyone. We have Stephen Hayworth who runs a blog and has a pretty pretty large Facebook page about his layout. He has been listening to our podcast now for a little while and and reached out to us with some just some suggestions for the show and some things that he was working on and he runs a, a blog and we'll talk with him a little bit. He'll, we'll let him talk about that a little bit more later. It's rgsrr.blogspot.com and I know he has a pretty big Facebook page with a bunch of posts on how he was doing things and the progress kind of laying out a a, a timeline of, of his layout as he's been going. it's and it's pretty it's pretty big. He's been working on it for a while and I will let him speak up here now. Hey Steven, how are you doing?
2: Hi, doing real good.
0: So uh, thanks again for coming on to our podcast. Uh, would you give uh, everyone kind of a little bit of a rundown of what you have going on on your layout and you know a little bit about you?
2: Sure. So um, the layout is uh, the Rio Grande Southern. It's a Colorado narrow gauge. Um, I'm modeling an HO scale standard version of it, which is a little different, Um, kind of an alternate history piece. Um, Started the layout probably about 2004, um, and it's been moving slowly through kids and family and life and everything. Um, But it's... um, it's it's been out there, so I've, I kind of got into both the history of the railroad and the sort of the um, the scenery area of it, and that just really drew me into um, wanting to recreate it um, in the basement.
0: Right. And can you explain a little bit about? I mean, it's kind of new to me too. So you're doing a, a narrow you're doing a narrow gauge, but. A, um, it, you were saying it's a it's a full it's a standard gauge narrow gauge
2: right so it's a it's an alternate history
0: move a little i just, i find it interesting what you're doing there with that
2: yeah so basically most people model um r g s is pretty famous in narrow gauge circles and most people model that in narrow gauge i really wanted Um, the railroad to operate well and they have operating sessions and so forth. Um, At the time that I started it, Blackstone hadn't come out with their stuff and so narrow gauge operationally was kind of finicky, so I just decided to do a standard gauge version of it. In fact, when I started researching the history of it, it turns out the Southern Pacific um, had in mind to actually purchase parts of the railroad and to convert it to standard gauge. So It actually fits with um, some of the early history of the railroad. I just decided that was real.
1: That's cool. Now, when when you look at narrow gauge and standard gauge, um, can can the human eye pick up a whole lot of difference on that? Anyways, I mean,
0: and we're only asking this because we are uh, we're not yeah
1: we're pretty we're we're not real bright on this we're we're not very standard and narrow gauge. we we run some trains on tracks. We know the difference.
0: (laughs) We know the difference, and we're not trying to be. Right. I'm not trying to be too newbie about it, but we, we, we need to learn a little bit, a little bit more into the scenery and details part. And uh, I know there's a lot more involved with what you're doing as, as far as that, that we just don't sure, have it, much knowledge of.
2: gauge, it changes the proportions, you know, so you've got um, uh, the the trucks and the trackage are smaller. Um, the, the actual equipment tends to overhang the track to a greater extent than standard gauge, so it just it just looks a little different. Obviously, it's all a little smaller. Right. Um, the aspect that I really like, what attracted me to it, was just this little railroad fighting through just spectacular scenery, huge mountains, um, you know, steep grades, little narrow canyons, and so forth. So when I cre- tried to recreate that on the layout trying to make the standard gauge look a little more compressed, I actually dropped, I had had tunnels, so RGS didn't have tunnels, but I do. But I reduced the height of the tunnels, you know, and the clearances are really tight. I did a bunch of little scenic tricks like that, um, again, to make it look like the railroad just was barely squeezing through um, the passes, which is very much what the real one did.
0: Yeah, it's actually pretty, uh, the scenery you have is pretty breathtaking as far as oh,
2: yeah.
1: how how deep,
0: some of those little canyons and everything are, it's, it's, it's pretty It's pretty dramatic.
1: Oh, it is. It's it's beautiful. And And it, it's, um, and what you were got that it's got, I watched a video of it and it, it has that, I guess you had a video on your blog that you could go to. You said it wasn't ready for YouTube or, or what, what have you on, on your, on your blog. But I, I went and watched that video and the, the whole Scene. It reminds me of something from a Clint Eastwood movie, or like how from A and E. It <laughs> had that. It had that feel, you know. And, and I think you delivered. I mean, because it just it gave that. Yeah, that. I, well, I'm not sure what Clint Eastwood movie that was, where they uh, where he was the preacher and the mine. You remember? Remember that? I'm not sure. Yeah, I was it? I, have, I have
2: said have like Grand Torino, but I don't think it's.
1: I think no, it's,
0: the, uh, I think I, I know which one you're talking about. It. He comes. Yeah. Yeah, I we're a yeah. big Clint Eastwood buffs. I mean, so yeah. and,
1: and you have it to gave that, that whole feel, and it had that 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 whole well, and that movie I believe was set in Colorado too, and uh, it had that whole look to it. Plus your plus your, I you know I said before, your your grass and meadows and you know open field areas where your trains run. I mean it has a rolling hills look. We don't get that. We're Civil War buffs as well, so. We don't get that feel unless you go to the back half of Maryland, Antietam, and you see them rolling hills like that. But, the, you know, you gave a real good – it's it's like a postcard from the Midwest. It was it's, – it's really cool. Well, thanks. So. Yeah, that
2: video. I'd never done video before, and I, I was – so I had done a bunch of work. um with the track. And once I got going on the track, I thought, well, I should ballast. Once I ballast, I thought I should do grass. And long story short, the layout was shut down for about a year from trains running because I just decided to do the whole thing all at once. Um, so I was testing the track work and running trains really slowly and looking for you know bumps on the ballast. I thought, gee, I could take my phone and take a little video of this, which I had never done before. So that was that first little test video, you know, And I should probably edit it and put it out on YouTube. In fact, I wanted to do sort of a layout tour and just yeah. go through the whole layout. Um, it would be awesome if you got that out there. It's, it was well done, and uh, it, it was fun. It was so easy. I mean, literally, it took you know four minutes. Just grab the camera and follow the train. It was really it's, simple. Uh,
0: it's amazing how fast surprised. how fast you can do that now. It's the power of instant everything.
1: Oh my goodness, it, it, it's it, stunning. When we were looking at the at the photos that you have on your blog, um, in the background you can see a lot of space. A lot you can see other sections of the layout uh, behind you or behind the scenes that you're taking shots of your progression. And what what size is it? Because it looks monstrous.
2: It's not monstrous. So the layout's about the basement is about twenty nine by thirty nine foot. Um, and the way that I, we actually had to rebuild the basement when we moved in, so I did it with the layout in mind. There's a family room, there's a bathroom, there's laundry, other stuff in the middle of the basement, and so I, I worked it so that the track is following around it. So it's actually got some fairly long runs, but it's narrow, so it's not taking a lot of real estate. And it, you know, it goes through the stairs and it goes through the bathroom. You know, it kind of snakes its way. Around getting it behind the furnace was sort of an adventure, but I stuck it through there as well. That's that's pretty
1: cool. I've seen how other people have done that, uh, winding trains and track through different rooms and such. And uh, I've always been fascinated with that. My wife would
2: never allow that to happen. (laughs) I'm uh, (laughs) I'm
0: I'm forced with just the basement.
2: But my my wife was amazing when we moved in this house. Of course, I'd been doing trains for years. you know, and they, we had outgrown the other little house that we were in. and The third son came along. She's like, "Well, I'll make you a deal. You let me do anything I want with the backyard, including removing some trees, which I really liked, and I'll let you do with a, whatever you want with the basement." I'm like, "Deal!"
1: <laughs> so <laughs> she's a, she's, been she's amazing. A saint. <laughs> she is, she's, she's
2: absolutely amazing.
1: <laughs> oh my word! So, oh, um, well, go hi, ahead. Brett.
0: No, you had a you had a question there.
1: Well, no. I, I, one of the other things that I noticed is on his blog, which is really well done, by the way. It's a, it's very informative. Uh, the, other, the other, you know, all our listeners need to go there and check it out. Um, I'm sure Brett's going to give you the link for that as well. well. We
0: will share the link to the blog, uh, not only his but, blog but his rgsrr.com site, where you have a, a very extensive just history of the whole uh, layout. I mean not the layout, I apologize. The whole uh, extensive history of the Rio Grande Southern Railroad as well. So you've put a lot of work into that. We'll we'll share that for our listeners to go check
1: out too. Well one of my one of my questions is, I mean, you you've on there, I've noticed that you you have a lot of goose. The goose is a big thing you focus on. Or the galloping goose with the trains. Yeah. Um, is that like a is that what what interest is is that something that fits well to that section that you model obviously it is because you do prototypical stuff and
2: um is that it's, a fascination it, for you or it, you know what it it's actually funny because in the alternate history version in my world I don't have any geese on the railroad and maybe I've got one you know because again it's a narrow gauge contraption and yeah they're uh, cool looking yeah <laughs> the railroad in the nineteen thirties uh the r g s was running passenger trains and through the ICC rules and other stuff they were required to serve the towns but traffic had dropped off and passenger traffic had dropped down and running a full steam train especially in that environment was really expensive so trying to survive the depression they had one of their mechanics take a a sedan uh, actually a limousine from the area and cut it up and put wheels on it and see if they could do that and that way instead of an engineer and a fireman and a brakeman and a conductor and so forth they could just have one person do all of it <laughs> um and it it became kind of this famous signature piece of the railroad they had um at one time they had seven of them running around on the railroad um, the first one um exited pretty quickly it was kind of a prototype um one was a maintenance one. So they had five that they were actively using um, for mail service or passenger service, and that got them all the way through the 40s. It helped the railroad survive. Um, amazingly, all of them are still in existence, and they're all operating. They've all been restored. Yeah. They all run. Yeah. Uh, which is just – that's
1: a good testimonial to it. That's like the first ever chop shop. And uh, <laughs> it is. it's It's like a railroad slash vehicle chop shop
2: and, uh, and a, te- a great testimonial if the stuff is still running. It wow. is. And, you know, typical to the RGS, you know, they, you know, deferred maintenance and low income. There's all these crazy stories. You know, the geese would, you know, be up on top of a, of a steep grade and they'd lose their brakes and they'd roll down <laughs> or they'd wheel would fall off or you know no one that i know have ever got hurt with them but they had crazy things what a lot of stories of the railroad but one of them was that um they're up on i don't know if it was lizard head pass or one of the other ones not too far from rico but ten thousand foot pass four foot four percent grades and the I don't know what happened, but the brakes had failed and the thing started rolling. And so everyone bailed out. There was like a woman with a baby and, you know, they all jumped out and all got out when it was moving slow. The thing started rolling down and they called telegraph stations down the line. So, okay, this runaway goose is coming down. And the thing went all the way down the mountainside, all the way into the, the northern terminus of Ridgeway, slowed down and parked itself right in front of the depot. Oh, oh my! No so <laughs> <Go> to <railroads. laughs> So they just and there's just a lot of crazy stories like that <laughs> on this railroad. Yeah, that that sort of featured in the, most of them. They are they are pretty cool looking uh,
1: vehicles. I mean, I, I mean, uh, um, railroad, uh, railroad cars. Um, I was looking at them. I'm like, this is like something from early turn of century. Mad Max, you know <laughs> I mean, it is. yes
2: <laughs> but yeah, sort of a steampunk feel to it. Yeah, um, yeah, um, but yeah, there's there's one at Spray Farm in California. Um, ever since the railroad closed, it's been running an almost daily service there. It just runs around the park. Oh, <laughs> yeah. several more in Colorado that are running it. You know, very tourist things. So it's it's cool that they all survived. Yeah, I mean, and there's obviously a strong following of people
1: wanting to, you know, continue on with the history of it and and yourself included. I mean, you want to just, you know, if there's an interest, I think if there's an interest in things historically, um, that, that, that interest will help keep those things restored and running and things like that. Um, uh, obviously the railroad community is pretty huge. Um, so you're going to have that anyways, but, um, yeah, that's a it's a fascinating. I'm gonna look into it a little more myself and try and learn a little more because I, I found them pretty interesting to check out on your on your website. So you know, people need to get on there, like I said, and check check it out. The um, uh, I, just, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your ballast that you had on there. I noticed you you were you were testing different types of ballast um, for your. Uh, you listed like a an incredible amount of different things you use reptile stand sand thermal terrain sands and um for that you got at pepco it looks like and uh, you ended up with you went to a place and got orange oxide dust from a stone supplier and um it just whatever you i i whatever you ended up with looks just insanely good in fact the the uh, the you had a darker material on there. I'm not sure what that was. When one of your ones that you said you weren't really quite settled on, um, that was, uh, I thought it was actually kind of nice looking. I I guess it depends on what you're trying to model and what era. I mean, what area of the country, but
2: yeah. So again, with, with the ballast, like I've done with most of it, I'm not looking at the hobby press or the model. I'm looking at the real thing, (laughs) And the RGS, again, being broke mostly, really didn't have ballast. So the track was often in dirt or it would have a few cinders. So I was really trying to capture, again, that rundown, you know, kind of track going through the grass. Um, some of the pictures, actually, all you can see is a couple rails through the grass in the later years. So I, I didn't want to use regular ballast. Um, and it took me forever to find a bunch of stuff that worked. And what I ended up using the different terrains the railroad went through, especially with dirt, the ballots look different, so I have a variety of things depending on what section of the layout it is. But yeah, you're right, I tried a whole bunch of things. So I was in the pet store buying food for something, and I was <laughs> kind of looking at <laughs> funny how we do this, this terrarian sand, so I'm like, oh, I'll try that. It turned out that was too consistent of a color. I tried um, uh, grout, that you had different colors of grout which is really, really fine. Um, I tried taking sand. I tried mixing it with grout. Um, And honestly, what I ended up with is just a mix of all of those things. Oh. Um, The the key look I was going for, again, back to the real thing, is faded ties. So the first thing I do is paint all the ties um, a pretty light gray with some variation with some sort of a dark, dirt, muddy thing under it. you know, and that was kind of the, the color tone I wanted. So light ties, dark ballast. Um, and I think I achieved that, at least in some sections. It, look,
1: um, it looks great. And, and um, I guess you're trying to find a, a, a blend between, you know, the, the more of the stone ballast that you find on a normal standard gauge railway and, you know, a dirt uh, or earth, kind of like a mix in between. And then maybe yeah. some maybe some grass, like you said. Um, and and I think that's that's pretty pretty cool. And Brett disappeared to us. Here he goes. No, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> but um you know, that's that's um you know, what kind of track did, did you end up what kind of track
2: did you use on your layout? So again, going back to the narrow gauge, especially this one, um, the rail was really, really light. You know, a typical rail today is probably you know, hundred pound rail. The RGS was using thirty pound rail, and the really fancy heavy stuff. They went all the way up to, you know, fifty seven pound rail, but still very light. So I looked at the different track manufacturers. I wasn't going to handle, I don't know. It seemed like too much work. I can't imagine somebody doing
1: that. I've seen it. It's it's beautiful work when they do, but man, I I just I don't have that time. I and I have a lot of patience, but. Don't we have
0: don't patience. have that kind of patience. Yeah,
1: so.
2: yeah I'm, I'm impressed with <laughs> it. So I ended up with um, uh, Pico code 70 on the main line, which is you know a little lighter weight than you normally see in, in HO scale. And then on everything else, on all the sidings, passing sidings, the branch, all of that was all code 55 microengineering. Um, and again, I wanted a distinction. In fact, one of the, the deciding factors was the rail when you look down on top the code 55 actually is much narrower not only the height but the rail is narrower than um than the the pico track i'm sorry pico code 75 is what i was using um so that way when you look at it you can see a difference you can see where the main line is and you can see that the sidings are just a lighter rail i just wanted the visual distinction um, and Code 55 still operates just fine as long as I've got, you know, usually Intermountain wheel sets on it, um, you know, something like the old Tyco with the pizza cutter wheels. That won't, <laughs> that won't run on it, but every, everything else runs just fine on it. I think we, we have strip.
0: some of those old ones and those old <laughs> yeah. wheels, and when you run them on the track, it sounds like they're on a rumble strip because they're hitting the, they're hitting the yeah. ties below it. So we keep yeah. those off.
1: Yeah, they they, uh, they just stay in – we're going to turn some of those into uh, you know, junk junked cars, beat up, yeah. beat up junk cars alongside the road <laughs> yeah, alongside the rail- railroad tracks. Yep. But, um,
2: yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, just, just trying to make that track look again, kind of, kind of lightweight and frail and, you know, like it's just barely enough to get through. Well, that's, that's, that's great. It's a labor of love when I go there and I see,
1: see the work you did on it. And, um, you know there's so much information on your on your blog it's um you know it, it, you have anywhere from from year to year you've been doing it a lot
2: of years how how many years has it been well like i said i started the layout in 2004 i was actually doing research uh, the rgs.com or rgsrr.com site i started earlier just kind of capturing the, the history that I was finding. I wanted to organize it um, to pull a lot of threads together, you know, like the locomotive timeline. Um, just trying to pull disparate things. I wanted, what is, I know this locomotive went away at this time, the other one came in, um, but I wanted that information all in one space so that I could figure out my timelines. Then I did that with, uh, there's a mile by mile route with a lot of photo links, um, so all of that was done in, I don't know, the late 90s, 2000, somewhere in there. And then um, and then we got the house, and it took a while to get the basement ready and find time. So 2004, um, and the blog, you know, once I started doing things, I thought, you know, I could just photograph this. It's really easy with the phones. And I thought, you know, I could just throw something up. And so I started throwing a few things up, and it doesn't take much time. You know, I'll put a post up. Depends on life. Sometimes I'll put one up once or twice a month. Other times it'll be three or four months when life gets crazy. Yeah. But um, it's just <laughs> nice to share. You know, I figure if, I, if I've gone through and solved a problem or learned something, it's really pretty easy to share that. So and, and it's that a out. very consistent
1: blog. You have a very consistent, you know, upload. There's a couple of years we have a, a few less. But for the most part, you're looking at anywhere from generally 15 to 22 posts a year. And they're all there, archived, and it's it's just great to roll through it and see that, you know your progress um, as you've gone, and you've gone from you know mountain scenery to canyon scenery to to your rolling hills, and and um, you know we talked about the ballast and you know uh, the the goose, um, it's 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 a wide variety and mix of things that you have that you've worked on. And it's things that you're doing to achieve your ultimate goal that you've worked with your family. Uh, you have your family that have obviously helped you out with it, which is great. I think there's a, not enough emphasis in this hobby um, on, you know, getting your family involved in doing things. I, you know, obviously my son and I, um, Brett here and myself are, you know our family and we've we've done that. We worked on it a lot all this together, um, but you don't hear of it much. And and I think it's it's
2: I think it's wonderful how you did it. I mean, well, thanks. It's you know again the progress has actually been pretty slow. I mean, 2004 is a while ago, but you know, I did not want you know I did not want my wife to be the model railroad widower as they as they call. And you know when my kids are younger, especially you know I didn't want to leave them out of it. So. Um, when they're little, they would, they would help some things. I remember one of my kids, when he was about seven, was helping me build L-girders, and he just he just had a great time, you know, gluing and screwing the wood together. Um, you know, later on, uh, two of my kids each had their own fort under the layout. You know, they, were, you know, they had you know, toys and shelves and other stuff down there. Um, we had a whole section when the roadbed was in, but there was no track. We had you know old Lionel trains being pushed around the layout, or um, <laughs> wooden track and magnet trains running all over the place. Just so it was there, a, a playset for them essentially. Sure. Um, and then you know as I got more of the actual railroad in, um, it became different. Probably the latest thing there was a uh, a, a daughter that we've um, adopted, just from a kind of a difficult home in the neighborhood. But when she first started using her house, sort of as a safe house, um, she looked at a bunch of the rock work I was doing and decided I was casting rocks in, um, uh, in molds, hot gluing them to the layout, and then you have to blend it. So you have to take plaster and go through all the little cracks and blend all those molds, and it's tedious. And she's like, well, hey, Dad, I could do that. My fingers are a lot smaller. And she liked working with the plaster, and so... She actually went through and did almost all the blending on the layout. There's a lot of rock work. And, and she just took to it, and she'd go down there by herself and just be working away on it, and, and that was good. It was just really fun. It was quite a surprise, actually. So I thought it was going to take me forever
1: to get through that. It's awesome to get, like I said, it's awesome to see that you got your family into it and that they helped you. And like you you mentioned, you know, kids pick up. Things, learning how to do things on their own, or becoming a part of the project, you know, these are little hand skill, hand eye skills that they'll pick up, or how to, you know, how to mix something, or you know, paint it, or build it. I mean, th- these are building skills that later on, you know, maybe they'll be able to carry on the hobby themselves. And uh, you know, that I, the rock work you mentioned, her helping you with the rock work. Um, you know, it's, uh, I know Brett probably has some questions on that. You have any questions on his rock work?
0: Yeah, I think I'm just uh, I'm fascinated with the complexity of some of the rock faces you have. And I know you said you use some molds. Uh, I'm sure there are different types of molds and different sizes. But I'm just amazed that you are able to take a molded rock and not show a repeating pattern very much, which is, you know, a problem I think most model railroaders have that do any rock and and any rock in, in – quantity to avoid repeating so how how did you go about doing that i know you said you blended a lot i'm sure it was a lot of hand sculpting too
2: i did so and again this was a a slow process years ago when i was a teenager i'd gotten a couple rock molds from different things and i was too intimidated to use them um and then when i started this layout um I had some Woodland Scenics molds, kind of probably the ones everyone has. Really recognizable, if you know what to look for. Mm -hmm. Um, I picked up a couple other things at a, I don't know, hobby shop or a train show somewhere. And then um, Bragdon has a lot of really large, really nice rock molds, and that's the majority of what I used. Yeah, they got great stuff. They do. It's amazing. And some of them are like two-foot by three-foot mold. It's huge. Mm -hmm. Um, So the, the process is... Um, I spread all the molds out on um, just some cardboard trays that I have left over from the grocery store. Um, spray that with a little alcohol and, uh, and water in the molds. And then I use Durabond 45. Um, it's just a, a molding plastic you can get at a at home improvement store. Um, for me, it works just as well, and it's far cheaper than hydrocol. I can you know buy that for 10 bucks for a 25 pound bag of it. Um so all the rocks are cast in that in place. Um once that's done, um scenery was cardboard strips over um with plaster cloth. I would hot glue the rocks on and just take the molds and break them up and, you know, turn them sideways and do a bunch of different things. Um, and then the molding so most of the blending either more Durabond or another plaster product called Structolite um, again really cheap from the home improvement store
0: um, <laughs> probably five times as much when you get the same thing at the hobby store
2: Yeah. oh my goodness Structolite so I also use Structolite for just all the main surface it's again it's like 12 bucks for like 50 pounds yeah. so <laughs> I, I just couldn't afford this kind of rock work paying, you know, $10 for a little port or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm convinced <laughs> that,
1: they, that these manufacturers that make the things for the model railroaders in the hobby shops, hey, look, I'm not trying to knock hobby shops, but man, your these manufacturers are taking products that you can get at your box hardware stores or, you know, construction stores and um, you know, and reducing the size and making it, you know, to where they can make a huge profit off of it. And I think a lot of the stuff you can find in these stores in the exact same thing, just a different name. But, you know, hey. Yeah.
2: I'm all for <laughs> supporting the manufacturer, but I just couldn't afford it. So yeah. yeah, me too. You know, the the plaster cloth, I mean, it's, it's bandages, you know, <laughs> so I went on eBay and found medical supply in bulk. Um, and again, a fraction of what um, you know, some of the other stuff. Cause again, I needed a lot of it. So we're going to hit on that in a moment
1: was I'm going to um, bring up the, the, uh, another topic that we had here on structures. You talked about um, making glass windows and I checked them out and you, you gave us a, you know, a look of from, you made them out of real glass from microscope slides. And I, I guess microscope slides is what you use, not the covers. And um, they look amazing. The, the light when it hits it, it gives an uh, actual windowpane look. And I never even thought to use that. Can you know expound on that for us?
2: Um, sure. I'm going to tell you what I did. <laughs> so I think I don't know if I was doing wiring or something in the basement. I just got tired of being down there. And one of my kids had a microscope set from when they were little, and I found this box of slides. And, well, gee, I wonder, you know, maybe I'll play with this a little bit. So I did some research, found out how to cut it was the main thing. Um, so the process I came up with, I bought, again, online for a few bucks, a, uh, a diamond tip scriber. Um, and that, that was important to get just a really sharp one. Um, so my process is just take the slide, scribe it with a straight edge. And then this is from online forums I found putting it over something and then breaking it. So putting it over a little, um, like a little piece of dowel rod or something, bend on both sides and crack it on that score. The key thing that I didn't know is to do that underwater. Apparently having, doing the break underwater changes the surface tension and helps it not to crack. Um, so yeah, I'm using the, the slides themselves, which are heavier. And I know some other people in the press like the covers cause it's thinner, the thinner stuff cracks really easy, so I didn't – plus, I didn't have any. So um, <laughs> so I tried the other one. It, it, it was mostly, you know, just a curiosity thing, but it does look different. I was actually quite surprised the difference in the reflection from, say, you know, the unusual acetate mm-hmm. um, that we've all used forever. Um, and it makes a difference. So the buildings that are, you know, closer or that I want more focus on, it wasn't hard. You know, and again, the slides are cheap scriber is a few bucks. It's not expensive. It's just a matter of learning how to cut it, and that was just practice. It's really not hard at all. Now how did you adhere the uh, slide to the to the actual inside of the structure? Um, usually, it's just a little dab of white glue. Um, there is a micro uh, let's see, micro scale thing called um, is it micro scale? I think it's a micro scale called um, crystal clear. Um, which is like a really light glue. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it. Um, I think I tried a little dab of super glue sometimes. It, it doesn't really matter as long as it doesn't yeah. flow out onto the frames. And I usually cut the slides bigger, right. um, you know, behind so that I'm not right up against the edge. So you got a little
1: overhang on all the sides, yeah.
2: I do. Oh, that's it, great. And, again, for the purest, you know, the, the glass, I'm not doing multiple layers of glass like you would in, you know, say a... Um, uh, like a six pane window that opens where you've got a, a forward thing and, and uh, another pane a little bit behind it. I'm right. doing that with the frames. Most of the stuff I do is laser cut. So you can do that but the glass I just put it behind the whole thing and called it good. <laughs> there's,
1: <laughs> there's a limit to how far <laughs> yeah. well uh, i like, like to try it. And So yesterday I went down to uh, Hobby Lobby and uh, picked up I went to pick up some some microscope glass to see if I can find some slides. They have them. But they're geared pretty much towards the the, the child uh, you know, in their first microscope set. And uh, before I went and did a little research online and found that you can buy microscope slides in big boxes of like 100 for like 12 bucks. And here they were six bucks for 10 slides. And I'm like, wow. wow. Like one building that has a lot of Windows to it, you know. I'm really gonna be pushing it, trying to squeeze it in ten slides for six bucks. So I'm gonna order a line. Uh, there's, you know, lab. I guess labs that use microscope slides and uh, they they sell kind of like medical supply places where they sell you bulk amounts to use at a cheap price. And so I'm gonna definitely look exactly. at that. Uh, but as far as as far as cutting them and then fitting them into, if any time I have. Uh, a dual pane type window with one that moves, and I, I'm going to acetate on that. I'm not just going. To, I'm just going to use it for a cover up, and I'll use the acetate for uh, anything complicated. But, but um, yeah, definitely, it, it is. It gave a look. It was just insane, and and uh, yeah, that was that was awesome to, to see how you did it. But, but do you have any questions? Uh, <clears throat> a little quiet over there. No, I'm just letting you guys go. <laughs> letting you roll with it.
0: Uh, no, I think the only the one last thing I really wanted to cover with you is, uh, and we hit about it a little bit earlier. You, um, when you were doing your research, you have a your website the rgsrr I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have a pretty extensive amount of research that you've put into that, and we, I kind of just wanted to give the users a little bit of a preview of that because we're going to link to it too. So how much, I mean, how did you do most of your research? How did you, did you travel to go see what you were remodeling? Have you ever seen some of the areas that you model in person? I just kind of wanted to get a little bit of background about that too.
2: Sure. Um, I was able to get out there once um, in 07 um, and spent three days around vacation. My wife basically gave me three days on my own Um, And we hooked up with some of the local folks who actually hiked a lot of the old right-of-way. And that was really fascinating. Took a million pictures. Um, Most of those pictures are on the Facebook page, um, and they're also linked from the other site. Um, But most of the research, the RGS has a ton of books written about it. There are thousands of pages um, out there that are published. Um, RGS Story has 12 volumes, and there are probably... Three four hundred pages to each volume, um, mm. not real cheap, um, but you know just incredible detail. And there's several, you know, photo essay books and a number of other books that have been written over the years. So, um, looking at um, you know used books places because um, these are mostly out of print, few few in print, but mostly out of print. Um, over the years, I collected pretty much all the books, um, and then. When I was researching the railroad, um, just again, had started the layout yet and I had the time, teaching myself HTML, um, decided to share what I was researching and what I ended up with is a series of pages that sort of um pulls in a bunch of information all in one place. So um you know, one of the towns might have one book would talk about what the depot was like, and another book would talk about what the track layout was like. Yep. And what I did is pull um, all of all of the information from that town from all the books and put it in one place. So on the, on the website, in its alt text, there's so many links on there, I haven't figured out a way or found the time to convert it to, you know, basically a modern website design. So it's a little dated, but... Uh... I have a route summary that just goes mile by mile and it's got all the specs on the track lengths, and track layout links to the buildings. Cause all all that stuff stuff online, um, all the bridges, you know, there were, I think it's 62 different trestles on the road. So I've got specs on just, it's a reference. And then I did the same thing with some other stuff. So, um, Locomotives, you know, trying to figure out when was this locomotive bought, when was it in service, when did it go away. Mm-hmm. A lot of different books, so I created a timeline that listed all of that. Um, the Galloping Geese that has their own timeline. Right. Remaining equipment because there's so much out there still, you know, buildings, um, trestle remains, right of way, um, operating stuff. So I, there's a page that just collects all of that from all around the web that I can find. Right, that people can find different status. Um,
0: it just—it's—it's it's neat. It's become a pretty cool uh, resource for you and for anyone else. It's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's extensive.
1: We we love research. Like I said earlier, we uh, have done some civil war history research of our own, and uh, we we were former civil war reenactors. Um, did that for a long time, and um, i you know, and I, I I have a profound Love for uh, anything from the past or from the history of anything, or how how it became whatever it became, and from one thing you go to the next thing to the next thing, looking into it, and you'll find you're researching one thing, and you'll go, wow, this is neat. I need to look into this, and you're, wow, you got a, you got a,
2: a. It sounds like a, the whole family came just came They the all just front.
0: came in the door,
2: <laughs> but. No. Uh, yeah, the, the history becomes sort of its own thing. Um, one of the really cool things with this website is once it was out there and sort of the, the RGS, I don't know, groupies, whatever you call us, discovered it over the years, is that people would start sending me firsthand stuff. They're like, oh, my uncle was, you know, a station keeper here and this year, and here's these photos I found in the attic. Um, and, you know, so now I'm actually being able to start documenting first-person history from accounts that's not in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just Really fun, you know, to kind of again put puzzle pieces together. And yeah. someone would email me something and fill in a note. Um, and that's great that people This is all kinds of cool stuff.
1: You, know, you had to ask people for information, of course. I'm sure you had to write and ask some people for whatever you're looking for. And uh, it, it's amazing that people come forward and just and help you out with that or give you the information you're trying to, to find.
2: But yeah, um, yeah that's, I didn't that's even cool. ask most people just email me out of the blue. <laughs> wow. That's oh, even that's better.
1: Great. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's
0: pretty much all I have and um I don't know if you want to
1: I I wanted, I'd like to get on I'd like to get stephen on another on some more episodes in the future right. and I, I hopefully he'll agree to doing that um, is there, there are some other things I'd like to ask at some point and I don't want to make our podcast too terribly long this first time um, but uh, hopefully we, we can get you back and, and doing it again especially now we know how to focus on, all of and it, make it work, but uh, <laughs> the miracle of Skype. Yeah, exactly. And you know, like I said there's more that I'd like to you know have have you on. Maybe get some of our view our listeners to you know if they have questions that are own, we can compile compile some of them and and throw them at you at a future date when we have you on again. If you're interested, sure, um, that'd be fun.
0: Yeah, and if you come up with any ideas or any new things that you want to talk about, just give us a shout, and we will definitely feature you again. And, uh,
1: I got some questions on structures and and uh, we didn't even touch on the wiring and telegraph stuff that he's he's been doing some looking into and um, you know the research he's done on that um, I'd like to I'd like to get into that a little more I think we just kind of burned out of time but um,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah we, that's, <laughs> a, that's the fun of the hobby there's so many so many areas you get bored with one you can switch to another <laughs> uh, and, and you're a great speaker and you you you've, you know you
1: come across real well and uh, I think a lot of people can gain from what you have on on your blog and what you can tell us so um like i said uh, we we would love to have you in as a guest again
0: so yeah thanks i think think next time we'll talk about the uh, the structural side here probably not not too distant future if we can get you on again in the next couple weeks or so uh we'll go over kind of the the stuff we had talked about via email with you know the signs and telegraph wire tell you know power lines we'll go over that again here pretty soon with you if you're up for
2: that yeah, sure. Yeah, that's probably a podcast in itself. Actually. It is. <laughs> I think it would be.
0: But, well, thank you for listening. Uh, yes. You have been enjoying, enjoying our stuff. And um, if did you have anything else you wanted to throw in here at the end before we kind of wrap up?
2: No, just, I just don't think so. Just to say, you know, your podcast fills a really nice niche, you know, because there's other podcasts that focus on people or on operations or on electronics or rolling stock. Um, and it's nice just, as you say, just to focus on the details. So, I'm glad you guys are doing this. It, it fills a nice niche in the podcasting world out there. <laughs> well,
1: awesome. thank you very much. That's, yep. we would take that as a huge compliment. Thank you. Thank
0: you. We. Uh, <laughs> I think we're going to sign off now. Thank you again.
1: Okay, right. take care. Have a good one. Thank you. All
0: right, so that was great. Um, we want to thank Stephen for his time with us and, and, and kind of sharing what he's doing with his layout and his extensive nice. research into modeling and everything that he does we'll probably have him back on the show again because just with email i know between you and me and him yeah the emails that we exchanged before we even got him on tonight were we had a ton of stuff we were talking about oh via God. email. From,
1: i have so many more questions for for him right now and that's uh, but,
0: actually it's actually where we got the idea for the the cutting the glass for the windows
1: yeah that was a great first so, interview though I'm glad he came right. well, on. I was—he's he, a great guy. He's—he's well spoken, and um, like I said I got—I we, before we hung up there, I got—I got a million questions. I got a million questions. I have to ask. So we're right. gonna get him we'll, on again. We're—we're
0: uh, we're gonna try and get him on again. He was fun to deal with. He's a good guy. And uh, make sure you head on over to his website and his uh, blog that we mentioned earlier. With he well, actually he mentioned earlier, and it'll you'll you'll see all of his pictures and stuff it's it's pretty awesome so all right well with that i think you have the tool of the week we're gonna jump into that what do you got going what's your tool
1: (laughs) i actually got two quick tools of the week here since we had a pod since we had a guest, so we went short on time um the the first one i'm gonna go over was and and it's gonna seem odd (laughs) our our dental picks you know like your dentist gets in there (laughs) he sticks yeah They're long dental. They're just regular dental picks. I have several different kinds. Um, They they're real pointy, and I got a tool for you then when you're done. Well, they're they're perfect for getting into little nicks, nooks, and crannies. Uh, if you gotta like pick stuff out, or if you gotta scribe into like clay, or if you're making like a stone wall or things like that, um, these are great for that. They're better than awls. Or you know, the awls have those. Same, they're sharper and they're pointier and a little thinner at the end than an all. Um, they're fun to poke yourself with because they they hurt really bad, um, but. They are awesome. Now, where do you get them? That's the question. Now, I got mine at some kind of a, some flea market somewhere where they had, like, all kinds of tools and such, and they had a big Basketball of these things, I don't know who's been picking their teeth with them or whatever or care. Um, I don't think that too deep into it. Hopefully they weren't used real heavy. But no, I, was... I,
0: I want to think. I want to think because you bought them at a, a dent dental picks at a flea market. I want to think that they're all nasty and used.
1: <laughs> no, they're actually they're actually <laughs> super clean, sterile. Um, but I've been told that you can go to the dentist to your your dentist and ask your dentist uh, for dental picks they do dispose of these after a while and they do sterilize them and send them out to be disposed of and there's nothing wrong with them uh, they I was told that many dentists will gladly give them away Um, and like I said, if they've been sterilized, who cares at that point? You know, I mean, if you're squeamish about it, don't, you know, I don't don't suggest you pick your own teeth with them. Okay. But, uh, I'm saying that you, they're great tools, uh, for all kinds of little getting into small spaces, scratching old paint out and things like that. Um, it's, it, it's pretty cool. They're pretty cool tools. I use them from time to time. And then the other tool I have here is I talked about it before it is. There's sponges that we use on a stick. That's sp- well, what they're called. Like I had a name for them, but um, sticks on a sponge, sticks with, yeah, sticks with a sponge. And, well, I found a new one. It's made by Bria Reese. It's, I guess it's in the fine art section of Hobby Lobby. I picked one up this week and this time it has, Oh, great. And it has a rounded top. So, um, the other ones have like that flat top you use for stenciling and things like that, and that 's great for this it 's great for it 's great to use anyways. I love those, but I saw this one it has a re- it looks like it 's domed on top it looks just like the others around the sides, but it 's kind of domed over and it has a nice neat little comfortable handle that comes to a point in the back um it 's made by Bria Reese and um like I said you can find it in the Fine scale on oh, in the in fine scale in your um hobby lobby in the fine art section where they have your oil paints and um fine art painting type things. Um that's where you'll find it. It's called a fine sponge dabber. Um and yep. Uh so yeah, that's uh that was my tools here for today. And they're they're pretty cool. cool. I Are like you? the rounded top because um when you're pushing, I'm sorry, I thought it was done. When you're pushing down on it, uh, yeah, thanks it a lot. Yeah, it doesn't leave the little rounded edge that you get with the flat ones sometimes if you press a little too hard. It just, it's because it's domed, it's very easy to control uh, how your sponged on pink is. Okay, that's it. All right, I got my tool for the week. Are you uh-huh. ready for
0: it? Sure. It is safety glasses because (laughs) we did the uh i did the post on on uh how to cut the glass on the microscope slides Mm -hmm. and uh i think i said in a post like two or three times just because i know if i don't say it someone out there will point out that i didn't mention the fact that you should wear your safety glasses when you're cutting glass so uh I won't say I didn't, and I won't say I did wear them for when I was doing it. But for the purposes of our blog, safety glasses—that's yes. my tool of the week because I always, always, always wear my safety glasses. I actually do too. And everyone, everyone should always wear their safety. Yes, glasses. I'm wearing I agree. my safety glass. I'm wearing safety glasses right now and doing the podcast because you never know when you never the microphone's know
1: microphones gonna fall and hit you in the face. So I Akeem, have my. A-
0: yeah. I have A three different pop
1: off the keyboard. I have three different styles of safety glasses in here and I do wear them. Um, I I I I may or may not have them on my right now. I don't know. And uh but I also recommend that you wear when you're cutting glass, rubber gloves. And for all the people out there that were reading it and they started uh we, we posted it out there lots of different places. And I did get some people going, well you yeah, you can be careful because you got to cut you can cut yourself, okay, but you can do it on your rotary tool you can cut yourself on your pliers, you can cut yourself with uh, a host of other things you can you can do you can get sick eating paste okay I mean these are things that you, you, you if you're a responsible person and take your time um you know you're gonna eliminate the possibility of that happening there's yeah. always so the option that you can make- get hurt doing we're not my trying to b-
0: make it we're not trying to make a joke out of it because no. yes you could always you could always get hurt yeah. but uh i just i just thought it was funny how i i intentionally over it on my post that way right. uh that way it wasn't an issue yeah. you're dealing with glass and, and and i and you know what i i will admit when i was doing the glass cutting and everything um you know you think about that you think wow you know this is i'm cutting glass here i could really cut myself pretty easily so right. yeah just take precaution wear those things i should have been wearing them i'm not trying to make light of the situation right. but uh i right. do have my safety glasses on right now and i put it on instagram for proof yep
1: and <laughs> and for uh for you know just so my knows, use it well ventilated area when you spray, spray Super Seventy Seven Scotch multi purpose <laughs> adhesive. You guys sprayed it right before this podcast and it still smells like butt in here. And it's bad. Your it's, eyes it's, are, it's awful. And I'm probably gonna die from that. I don't know. Your Your eyes have a film on <laughs> it's them. Horrible. Now. This is stuff is horrible. It works great. And don't God forbid you get the stuff on your fingers. Oh my gosh, you'll never get it off. And will it'll transfer to everything. Oh yeah. Yeah, so that uh multi-purpose spray adhesive. Be very very careful with it. You will you will gunk <laughs> okay. up everything you touch. Okay, next.
0: Next, we're going to talk about products. So, uh my, I I think I have the product of the week here and it, it actually one of them is yours. It's a it's a twofer We're giving you guys a twofer. Go. Um The first one is – well, they're both by the same person. They're both from Dr. Ben's Scale Consortium. He gave us uh, two different stains, weathering stains to use. I know you picked one out and I picked one out. Mm -hmm. And we are super – we're super pumped to talk about these because I know you haven't even been able to use them yet. No, I'm excited to do it. I'm hoarding it. I'm hoarding it it at my house. tomorrow. You you can't ever have it. You can't have it. It's mine. Uh, No. (laughs) we uh we got two weathering stains from them i think i'm i already used one actually i'm not gonna lie i had to the day i got it i had to open it up and use it so i actually used it on the blue slipper tavern kit mm-hmm. uh on a little auxiliary building like a side a side building to the the main bar right and uh it, i got i got naughty walnut it's the dr Ben's scale consortium ready to use naughty walnut weathering stain it's uh $7.39. Uh like I said, he he sent us two of these to try out and talk about. So we are actually going to put them to the test and we will let you guys know how they work. And if that's, you've used them before, that's great. Let us, you know, chime in and let us know what you think of his stains. I know he's a great guy. He was super uh pumped when he was talking with us about kind of, you know, getting these in our hands and making sure we get them out to you guys. So
1: yeah, as soon as I try um, it out, I'm gonna do a little write up on it, and uh, I'll definitely be talking about it. in, in one, of, in, in, but maybe next yeah, week's we'll,
0: podcast, we'll, we'll push it. We'll push it. We'll definitely push You're, it. You yeah, said yours was
1: called Naughty. Mine is called Naughty Walnut. So that's Naughty K N O T T Y, not N A U G H T Y. Oh no, it is. It is <laughs> totally. Hey guys. Okay. guys. Hey, you. welcome
0: <laughs> to the HOSL Customs Podcast. With the naughty walnut. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that kind of naughty walnut. No, it's no. it's K N K N O T T Y walnut, like a naughty pine board, or you know. So it's really cool. Actually, the stain turned out looking awesome. It looks great. It, oh man! It's a dark, dark, dark brown. It's really cool looking.
1: I can't wait to try it so, because I, I I've been looking at them for and, over a year. And you got. And haven't done it, and I want to. I want to definitely try them out.
0: Yeah, we've been seeing his stuff for a while, and yeah uh, the the other one that we got was uh, Huck, you. You actually picked it out. You told me to let him know that that's the one that you wanted to to mm-hmm. get from him. It was uh, Huck's Whitewash Weathering Solution. So mine is actually a stain, and yours is a weathering solution. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll probably perform a little bit different. Right, but uh. I'm not sure how this will want to work. You'll have to tell us about it once I give well, it to you. Well, I'm going to use it and, on the model
1: I'm currently building. I'm going to use it on. So, yes. Okay. Well, you
0: next week can give us the lowdown on I this. I will. Uh, Definitely. But it's pretty cool. They are a. Uh, they're they're kind of. Now that I opened it up, I, I equate it to our India ink wash. Um, our India ink wash stuff. It's it when you read the ingredients, it's uh. Seventy percent isopropyl alcohol, and a bunch of other crazy stuff that you probably—I don't even know what it all is. He, he obviously, he's not going to tell you what it all is, but yeah. uh, it, it goes on pretty much like a rubbing alcohol, ink wash would. Yeah. But uh, I'm excited to see what yours does. I will post pictures about what mine did, and I want to thank Dr. Benz for shooting that over to us to give us a, to try out and. Uh, push out to you guys so
1: how's it how's good stuff what, can you describe how how it looked when you were working with it or
0: how it looks now that i put it yeah. on yeah 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 i like i said it goes on like a dark uh brown my naughty pine uh-huh. goes. i mean i'm sorry naughty walnut goes on as a dark brown uh stain and i'm trying to think almost like when you guys have if you have like dark cherry furniture at your house, I think yeah. it kind of looks like that. It looks a little bit like that color. Oh, nice. Um, I don't, I don't know what it looks like on a piece of wood that hasn't been pre-stained yet because yeah. I, I put a uh, light coat of India ink wash on the boards underneath before I put the knotty walnut stain on so i don't know what why don't we try like. it
1: on several different types of woods I'll, that'd be great
0: what i'll do when i when i write a post about it i'll i'll yeah. kind of i'll do one on a blank board and i'll do one on a board yeah. with any ink wash a light dark dark wash uh a light wash and a dark wash and i'll do it i'll do a couple different variations of it so people can see what it looks like on a multitude of things that'd be great so that uh like i said again thank thank you to dr ben scale consortium for sending us those uh we're gonna try and get these out to you guys um uh like a we're gonna try and get some posts out to you guys to show you how they perform uh just a great products i love it already i've only used it once and it, it, it was awesome it was easy to use his and his website has how to a ton of how to's on how to use all his products so go check them out um, and you have, you have, a a detail product or a detail part. What were you working on? Detail part, I know you sent me, you well, sent me some pictures of them
1: and those things look crazy. They were great. They were great. They they look great. Okay. Uh, they're lobster traps. I told everybody the last two weeks I was going to work on them. I did them. I got them done. Uh, I do have some pictures of them on the latest, uh, I finished my Bob's bait and uh, beer shop from KC workshops and, um, that I posted pictures online on our website, Instagram, and uh, not on the website yet, but on Instagram and our Facebook pages, those lobster traps are on those photos that I took. Uh, cause I thought they look great, uh, with, you know, with the whole decor of Bob's bait and beer shop. Um, it, it turned out great. Now here's the thing on this. They are, they're a bitch to bend and put into <laughs> shape. I don't know any other way to say I, I tried, they're made of brass and they're a flat brass piece. It's, uh, you know, etched on or not cut in, I guess it's cut in Uh laser cut, etched brass or whatever. And, um, yeah, have to, you know, pop them out of uh, the sprue thing that they're on, cut them out, and then you start bending them at the right angles uh, to make a box, okay? But, man, uh, getting the bend to just go just right for you is is a is a trick. And um, they, they, they turned out pretty good. Those were made by Railroad Kits. Um, they turned out awesome and nice. And it, I'm sure if I started making more of them instead of just the one packet I had, um, I could probably, you know, as I was getting more and more into it, I, they got, became easier for me on, you know, trap number seven and eight, trap number six, I destroyed with a pair of pliers <laughs> and it went into the trash can. So I, I, out of a pack of eight, I got seven and one is dead. Um, because I, I bet, I bent it all the hell on the one corner and I said, forget it. I'm not going to try and straighten out. It's going to look all jacked up. And, uh, then you paint them and you paint them. Uh, I spray paint them with, a um, a, um, camo rust oleum camouflage sand color, uh, to give them a base wood color. Uh, and then I use some of my, um, acrylic paints from AK, um, interactive and, um, instead of using the craft paints, but I used the AK Interactive cr- acrylics from the wood sets, and I got them to really look really nice with the wood tone, and then I put a coat of the um, Alcohol India ink mix uh, over top of it, just a light coat of that, just to bring out highlights. And uh, it turned out pretty decent, and the only problem I had was they're made of brass. So if if you put too much of the acrylic on and the alcohol is some, It in a way, it kind of washes away some of the spray paint underneath it. It normally doesn't happen on other products. I don't know if it's because it's on brass or what, but it's, uh, I was painting, thought I was all done, and then all of a sudden the light catches it wrong, and you got like a, <laughs> an edge of brass, and you're like, oh my God, I gotta go, I gotta get the paints out again. You know? Yeah, I haven't worked with, I haven't worked much brass stuff lately. Yeah. So, well like I said, once I got it done and they looked nice and they, they like I said, they took some work. They yeah, I liked them. I liked them. I'm gonna order more. I'm gonna order more from Railroad Kits. So uh they were they were they turned out nice. I mean, I know other companies make them. Maybe I'll order from another company as well. And uh that way I get a little variety on it. But anyhow, that's my uh my part when you're careful careful bending them, take your time with them. Uh and they will turn what out nice. To- I highly recommend what them. What
0: happened what happened to the one you destroyed? That's what I'm more interested uh, in.
1: It's in this trash can over here by my foot. <laughs> it's down there <laughs> in the bottom. It happen? No, I, I need to, how did that What happened? I, I, well, I bent it, and it, I was trying <laughs> to shape the edges in so they match, and you got a super glue the uh, or CA glue the, your, your, your edges so they match up, and he closes the trap up into a box. And uh, as and you just put like a thin bead in there and you close it and hold it tight and as I'm holding it tight, cause I didn't want to get super super glue on my fingers. I was using a pair of needle nose pliers and I actually put too much pressure on the brass and it bent in. So I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, oh, I can bend that out. So I start to bend it out and then I start bending it worse and it crumpled up. And then it got I, worse as you went. Yes, yeah, so it got worse as I went and then a, there was a whole lot of explicitive language it was just a it was bad and and then it it went it flew into the trash can instead of flying across the wall to the wall which was pretty good i mean uh it was not you should not have been here but um the rest of them turned out
0: great my my virgin ears would have been yeah been very sad to hear these words
1: oh sure yeah but um (laughs) yeah it was they were definitely uh they were definitely fun to do and i I plan on making more so yeah, they turned out awesome. Yeah, that's it. So, that's all. That's all I have on that. Um, what kind of music right. you've been listening to? Oh, come on!
0: You, what kind of music?
1: Come on, you know what
0: kind of music not, you're listening to. I'm not going to be proud to say my music taste this week. No, <laughs> so I just uh, do it. This is not going to be. This might not be a big hit with the. Uh, I will be shocked if this is a big hit within a within a a lot of a lot of. Really, anybody I know at all, actually, I don't think anyone <laughs> listens to this. So, <clears throat> if you do listen to this, please email me because I might—you might be the only other person I know that loves them. Uh, I've been listening to Tech Nine, which is <laughs> listen. It is very. Much not a child friendly uh, artist.
1: Don't let your kids (laughs) listen to Tech Nine. My kids, no, my kids almost 30 or 28. So uh, (laughs) he can listen to Tech Nine. Don't let your kids listen to Tech Nine.
0: Uh, but I, I, I love him. I love listening to him. And, uh, and like last week was kind of the Metallica. I've been in a weird swing. I went from like bluesy, uh, folk music to. Metallica and now I'm listening to some really heavy like fast really heavy and fast rap yeah so uh, I don't know what kind of mood I'm in this week <laughs> it's, it, but it gets me pumped up I've also been running a lot more this week so yeah that that kind of music gets me really really pumped up yeah my, to go to get out on a, on a run when it's only 30 degrees and it's like last night I was running in the snow yeah so uh you got to listen to something to get you a little amped up and maybe a little a little explicit while you're running in the snow because you're already angry that you're out in the snow. But that's what I got. I've been that My, my running music has carried down to the workbench with me because I'm just trying to kind of stay motivated during this week because I got a, got a lot going on. I got a lot of stuff I want to work on down here, and I got a lot of running that I need to get in this week. And uh, the only way I can do that is some really heavy, fast, hard-hitting music. So what about you?
1: Well, I don't run. I, I I don't even run to the kitchen, um, and uh, I and that's just to get a beer. But um, <laughs> but um, I listened uh, this week to uh, a, a strange arrangement of ACDC, and because um, that always motivates me. ACDC always gets me motivated. Um, the older yeah, it's stuff, ti- it, it's you know, and it's timeless. Little, yeah, a whole little whole lot of rosy, and that's what's just a favorite of mine and uh and then the beastie boys uh from yeah. the from the to the fry Bur burrows uh from the to the fry burrows, uh album or cd or whatever they have now i guess they're bl- cds yeah. or blu-rays but um i was listening <laughs> to that and uh, and uh well, little blu-rays d- yeah i well, don't listen to my music on blu-ray uh, maybe maybe you have Ooh. i don't know so um maybe you can um and then I also listen to Dean Martin, some old Dean Martin. So there's a weird mix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, but yeah, you, know, you
0: gotta have a you gotta have a, well, if gotta a BC boys to Dean and Martin. Martin
1: too. You know,
0: but hey, I don't think I could find a more polarizing mix of music ever,
1: <laughs>
0: other than other than BC boys and Dean Martin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tech Nine. Okay, that's uh okay what oh wait i said okay tech nine (laughs) but you have uh... don't don't make fun of my tech nine (laughs) now we had a we had a modeler uh that reached us reached out to us on instagram um by the name of uh, goes by the name of ot model rr or ot model railroad and um he yeah he uh he said um i'll quote him directly
0: here yeah just because I have it up on my screen. He said, uh, OTM, OTMO, oh, I'm sorry, R on Instagram said, I notice you guys like listening to music while working on modeling projects. I enjoy listening to Model railroad podcasts while I'm working on the layout or structure projects. They tend to motivate me more so than the music. But music works when I'm fresh out of new podcast episodes. Keep them coming.
1: So, oh, that's good. Yeah, you were saying? No, I was saying, I agree with him. I like to listen to Model Railroad podcasts as well. We're not the only show on the road, and uh, as we all know, and you know, I like to listen to some of the other um, podcasts while I'm working. It does motivate me. It gets me thinking about the hobby and everything as I'm working on it. Uh, I like the music as well, um, but I entirely agree with him. On that, and uh, some of them I've repeated a couple times. So the podcast uh, just, to, you know, because I missed stuff or had some hints on them. And all these other podcasts that are out there, just like, you know, hopefully ours is doing that for you, Um, you know, they all help you. I mean, there's many good milers on there that are talking to you on these shows that have tips and such. that will be able to help you out. But I love the fact that this guy reached out to us and contacted us. And we've had a a few other people doing the same Mm -hmm. thing recently. Yeah, but I mean on the music, because we mentioned Let Us Know Your Music. So out there, get a hold of us and let us know your music. It was kind of random and out of the blue, and it was one of the first people that got back to us on what they listened to, and it was kind of refreshing. It it lets us know that you are listening to us. So, um, you know, it was neat to hear that.
0: Yeah, we we appreciate that feedback on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know we have uh been kind of it's kind of you know it, starting out was tough because the first five or so episodes first half dozen or more episodes you don't get much feedback in the beginning so now it's kind of cool because we're all the way we're we're all the way at episode 10 yeah oh you know it seem it doesn't even seem like we've done 10 episodes but uh i'm sure you know as we can stay consistent with this and we get to more and more milestone episodes i think ten's a good milestone it's cool to start getting feedback as more and more people start
1: to listen. Agreed. Agreed. Yep. And I think we've exhausted most of this day. Do you have anything else to add? No, I,
0: uh, I, 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 that's about it for me. I I'm just going to get back to listening to my tech nine and, and working on my, working on my (laughs) kids. So, uh, yeah, that's about all I have this week.
1: Fantastic. uh, It was a big, it was a big show today. What's that? It was a big show today.
0: Yes, it was a good one. We had a good interview. Uh, we're going to have Steven on again. Like I said, we're going to try and, and schedule him again for another, mm-hmm. another episode or two. Um, don't forget, you lose an hour of model railroading this weekend because you have to change your clocks. So <laughs> uh, when you're listening to this episode, tomorrow night, uh, or I guess Sunday morning, whatever, tomorrow night before you go to bed, you're going to lose a, an hour of model railroading. At midnight, you got to jump forward to, to 1 a.m., so, isn't that a bummer? Yeah, it
1: is a bummer. Yep. yep. But, uh Nobody likes to lose bench time.
0: No. So, make sure you get in as much as you can before daylight savings time because you'll lose an hour. And if you pull all-nighters like us, that's kind of a bummer because it'll be midnight, which for us isn't usually that late on a Friday or Saturday night working. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it'll be one in the morning. So, make that time worth it. And, uh, who cares though? Spring's coming and you don't have to shovel rain. So I'm all about that. Yep. But, uh, that's all I got this week. Make sure you get on all the usuals, hit us up on Instagram, like us on Facebook because our Instagram is crazy fast and it's growing. And we just hit a thousand listeners yesterday, which is, that's another milestone for us. So in the same week we did the 10th podcast and we hit a thousand, um, I think I said a thousand listeners. You did say a that. Thousand, a thousand <laughs> followers on Instagram and ten, and episode 10 on the same week. So that's a pretty cool week. right? Um, but make sure you head over to our Facebook page. Give us a like there. You can always email us at podcasts at com. You can definitely go to our Patreon page and be our first patron. Uh, basically... You can just pledge a monthly amount, and it will go towards our podcast to help kind of pay for the expenses of the podcast if you're enjoying it. I know I made my homemade pop filter. It goes around my microphone with a window screen and an old butter container, and that's what I'm using right now to filter out (laughs) pops and S sounds on my microphone. So we definitely would appreciate it. We would like to upgrade some of our equipment for the podcast uh, to make a better product for everybody. And pay for our hosting and all that other stuff because none of this is free, and we're doing it because we enjoy it. We uh, love it. We're not we're not guilt tripping anyone into it. We just want everyone to enjoy our podcast. Yeah. It's worth it for
1: us. Just hey, to we're not closing enjoy up it. shop or nothing. We're no, not, we're, we're no, gonna no, keep doing, doing this, this man. We're, we're we're into it. But uh, yeah, I, uh,
0: I I I love it. Um, anyways, that's kind of our recap for the first ten episodes. We really appreciate it. Remember, always check out adoscalecustoms You can subscribe to our newsletter there. We always send a a newsletter out every Friday. We did not do one last Friday, and I apologize. That was my fault. We were super busy, both with home life, with the kids, and we were trying to schedule out a couple things here with some guests coming up in the next couple weeks, and I dropped the ball. But this Friday, we will resume it, and every week we send out a newsletter with everything we've been working on for the week, some cool stuff, stuff. just get on there and check it out. Subscribe to the newsletter. You'll always be updated with everything we have, so you won't miss a thing.
1: Yeah, we're on a lot of platforms. So you, you know, you're talking Instagram, Facebook, our blog on the website, you know, the podcast, um, YouTube. There's a new video up there too um, as well. Yeah, and, right. and then of course, uh, you're on, we, we have, you have us up on Pinterest too. So, I mean, we're, and we're trying to do the best we can with it. Uh, just be patient with us. Once we get into a schedule of how we can load things up on a regular basis to keep the content rolling through everything, we are going to be on the ball. And, uh, this is oh, know, we're on so, the ball now. Yeah. Come we're on. on the ball. Yeah. Come on,
0: son. We're on the ball.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so with that, just Check out everything, you know. Uh, I'm gonna sign off for the night though. I'm cold, I'm in my basement. Yep, and, and your mom's waiting for me. We
1: we'll guess we're gonna watch a movie, so let's wrap it up.
0: You're gonna what? <laughs> well, watch some kind of movie or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm probably just gonna go watch, binge watch The Office for I'm the night.
1: <laughs> Drunk History, I think I'll go watch Drunk History tonight.
0: Yes, there you go. Yes, I'm either gonna watch, I'm either gonna get on Netflix and binge watch episodes of The Office <laughs> or uh. <laughs> Or watch Breaking Bad. I don't know. One of those two. <laughs> All
1: right, man. All right, guys. We'll hey, talk everybody. to you later. Have, we'll have see- a good night, and uh, we'll, we'll talk- see- have happy Milan.
0: Have a good weekend. We'll see you next Friday.